What does it cost you to see a patient? Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Owen Dahl, president of Owen Dahl Consulting, a firm specializing in medical practice management. And Owen's here to help us to determine what exactly it does cost us to see a patient. Owen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Dr. Kaskill. It's nice to be with you. I know you've written about this, and there's a chapter in the book that you've written, and uh, it starts with a question that you like to ask practice administrators and physicians. You say, how much does it cost for you to see a patient? And they usually say to you, I, got no cl- I have no clue, or 55 bucks. That's exactly correct. And the reason that this is, I think, a very valid question is that what is the basic unit of service that we offer to our patients? It's it's the visit. And in most cases, it's the visit. Some people say, well, it's the surgery. Some people say, well, it's the x-ray or whatever it happens to be. But in principle, what we're looking at is what is our basic unit of service that we offer to our patients, which is a visit to our practice. Right. My number one product is an E&M 99213. Right. And so I don't even know what I get paid for that because every insurance pays me something different. It's a very strange business we're in where we don't even know what we're getting paid and we, we can't even control it. Well, the sad part about that is, is it's, it's true, but the, also the sad part of it is that we ought to know. We ought to know not only what we're getting paid, but we ought to know what that 99213 costs us to deliver it to those patients that are there because we may have a contract that doesn't pay us enough to make any money on. Mm-hmm. We may actually lose money on a 99213, or we might make 20 or 30% on a 99213, depending on what our costs are. Well, let's assume for the sake of this interview that I get $62 on average for all my 99213s. And so in my mind, I think, okay, I'm getting uh, $62, and I times that times four, so that's a $248 an hour, and then I subtract out some of my staff, and I subtract out some rent, and I have no idea what the actual profit is, if any. So how many ledgers and spreadsheets do I have to create? Because I have no idea how to work Excel. Well, first comment is you're thinking well, and if we can start to get the physicians to think in terms of the $248, and then I have these costs associated with that service that I provide, we're really beginning the process. But very simply, I would assume that at the end of the month, you receive an income and expense statement from your accountant or from your practice manager. And the simple way to understand this process is to then ask the second question is, how many patients did I see this past month? So if we saw 100 patients, or if you saw 100 patients and you had you know, $10,000 for your costs for that operation for that month, your cost per visit would be $100, so you would actually be losing $42 or $48 on every visit that you, or $38 on every visit that you had. Not good. Yeah, that's not good, okay? So, but if we made, if we had that 100 visits and it was $5,000 a month for your expenses, then our cost would be $50 and we'd be making $12 then for, for every visit. And this is a generic sort of global look at it because right. people can then argue, well, I see new patients and that takes me longer and I see some 99214s sure. and I do some other things and so on. And that's all true. But until you understand the principle behind this and begin to know that number, you really are operating in the dark. Well, you know, you get into it and you talk about fixed costs and variable costs and direct costs and, and my head starts to spin. Well, that's true, but let's make it real basic here. A fixed cost is rent or malpractice, and so I know that every month I'm going to pay a certain amount of money for rent, whether I see one patient or 200. 
So I'm not going to worry about that today because I can't do anything to renegotiate my lease until the end of the year. But on the other hand, I have variable costs, which are those costs that vary directly with the number of patients that I see. So that would be a supply. And then I have a couple of other terms. One is a direct cost, and a direct cost is that cost that's associated with providing the service to the patient. So that's you. I hesitate to say this, but you know, you should consider yourself a cost. And, and the reason you do that is because you want to make a certain amount of money. You want to be paid as a producer a certain amount of money for every visit that you have. And a medical assistant is a direct cost. But then there's indirect costs, which would be, say, uh, your billing staff. You can't operate without those employees, but by the same token, they're not directly related to what you offer to your practice or to your patients. So when we identify this, the question of cost goes then broadly into those four terms or those four concepts. Then the question, the logical question to me is, what can I do to control my costs and where should I go? Right, exactly. So if you look at a pie chart of cost categories, is there a guideline that I should have a certain amount of direct, a certain amount of indirect, a certain amount of fixed, or, or is there no way of coming up with absolutes? The rules of thumb don't necessarily fit with that. They fit more with 20 to 25% of your revenue should be included as, as payroll. But I think it's very important for you and your practice to take a look at that and say, okay, my benchmarking is what I spent last year and what my fixed costs were and what my variable and my direct and indirect and that sort of thing were for my practice because that's your benchmark. Then what can you do to improve that? Because one of the premises that I have is that we are entering an era, if we're not already there, that our revenue is fixed. Right. Okay? So since our revenue is fixed, how are we going to make more profit and what are we going to do? We're going to have to become more efficient. We're going to have to understand these kinds of things to be able to manage our practices more effectively. Or just take a job and let someone else deal with it as an employed physician. Employed physician at a hospital or uh, something like that, which I don't recommend, but you know that's an option. For right, me. but it is a strange business where our revenues are fixed and our costs go up each year. Our employees expect or demand a cost of living. And they don't know that we don't get paid any more money each year. The doctor only gets what's left at the end of the day, the, the, the crumbs. That's very true. And, and it's hard to educate them of that. And it's, you know, it's also hard to, I can't really make them feel uh, or pity me too bad because I still am making more money than them. So there's some guilt there too. Well, go back to the concept of the fact that you are a business. Right. And as a business, as a business owner, you're the one that's taking the risk. You're the one that's saying, I've got to get up this morning and I've got to see 22 patients in order to break even on a daily basis. That means I've got to see 22 patients to pay those employees, to pay the rent, to pay the lights, the phone bill, to buy the supplies, and that sort of thing that goes on. So when I understand that, I've got to see those 22. If I see 30 patients, I've made whatever profit there is between 22 and 30. And that's all you get. So you took the risk to create that model and you deserve the reward for that. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'd like to bring you in just to, to say that to everybody. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host, and I'm talking with Owen Dahl, the president of Owen Dahl Consulting. And we're talking about how much it really costs to see a patient and if there's any uh, profit in there. Owen, what's a normal benchmark for how much of your, you know, your visit should go towards rent? For example, well, if we look at the sequence, your most expensive line item is going to be payroll. Okay, uh, but that and, includes and me also. That includes you, right? Or if you took you out and we were just looking at the payroll costs 
for your support staff, it would probably be 20 to 25% of your revenue. Mm -hmm. You might add another 30% for that if you want a 30% return. Now, if I were looking at rent, that will vary based on specialty, but assuming a primary care environment where you're spending a lot more time in the office than, say, you are as a general surgeon, you're going to have a higher percentage, and you might have 6 to 8% of your revenue tied up in your what, what I would call occupancy costs. How about telephones? Just out of curiosity, how much should I be spending on telephone as a you know, percentage of what I bring in each year. You probably are spending in one to two, maybe three percent. But remember, in telephone costs, one of the issues that we have is hidden in that is marketing. That's your advertising or your yellow page listing. So when you're identifying costs associated with telephone, I should say, okay, how many lines do I need? What are my long distance costs? And then you have to ask yourself, what are my marketing costs? Because what does it cost me? Do I get any patients from the yellow pages? And if I don't, maybe I can reduce the cost by a hundred dollars a month by not putting in a yellow page. Yeah, I, I don't think they. I don't think yellow pages work very well for primary care internal medicine docs. But that's my personal opinion. I believe you're right. But remember, that's a hidden cost on your telephone bill that you need to be aware of. Uh, so they can just bury it in there, and I don't even know. You don't even pay attention to it. Right. And that's the component kind of thing that we need to spend more time thinking about. Now, again, though, that's when we talk about fixed costs, your marketing costs on your telephone is probably going to be fixed costs because once a year somebody's going to call you up and say, are you ready to renew your ad in the yellow pages? And, you know, they catch you in between patients and ask you the question. Mm -hmm. And you say, yeah, whatever, and go on and see patients not realizing that that's $100 or $200 a month that may or may not be something of value for you to, to say, you know, I'm going to take that $200 or $100 a month. I'm going to take that home. Or I'm going to meet that employee demand for a 3% raise and you know, be a better use of your money. Oh, and let's leave the academic world and, and go into a real live situation where you've gone into a practice and you have actually done the calculations for the doctor and found out that he is, in fact, losing money on each visit. What were you able to recommend to the physician to... Either where were you able to cut corners and, and show him and teach him what to do? Let's see, how many hours do we have to talk about this? Basically, the, again, what I did is I took a look at payroll because that's the largest number first. I mean, that's the biggest way that I could have an impact on the practice. And in the case that we're talking about, as a rule of thumb, I would want three and a half full-time equivalent employees per primary care physician. One case that I had, it was 4.25. And so I took a look at it, and it was fairly obvious that we had an issue with staffing and that there were a lot of inefficiencies and waste, so we were able to make some cuts there. But then very simple things, because, you know, once you make that, that's an obvious kind of scenario to look at. Then I opened up a closet in the back of the office and found that they had more supplies stuffed in that closet than you could imagine. And so the question was, do we need this kind of inventory? Mm-hmm. And so once we delved into it and took a look at it, sure enough, the office manager had you know, gotten us this special for buying a bunch of pencils and pens from somebody that had the practice name on it, and, and they got a free TV that they took home as a bonus for uh, buying this large number of pencils right. that sitting there. So you have to drill down into those kinds of aspects of what you're looking at and say, well, here's... You know, here's $100, here's $200, here's $5,000. And when you start to add that up, you can find that there's an awful lot of waste that goes. Back to the employee scenario is that the 4.25, in this case, was more than we needed. In other cases, it's not, but 
a statistic that I think is very important is that 25% of the time that's involved in an employee producing activity for you is actually wasted time. So I would go back to one of the other concepts that we've talked about in the past, and that is Six Sigma, and say, what can we do to improve our practice to gain some efficiencies? I may have the right number of employees, I just may have them doing the wrong thing. So I could actually increase the number of visits that I have by one or two per day, which means that I could justify that number of employees and still come out in a positive vein in the bottom line at the end of the month. Have you ever gone into a practice and done your analysis and said to the physician, you know what, you're doing great, I have no recommendations? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Never so have, but, you know, you do go into some practices and they will say, look, I just want you to take a look at it, and frankly, you go in and they're doing things pretty well. Mm-hmm. There's always something that you can do to fix. So you do that, and I'm not saying that to justify the fact that I'm a consultant and I go into the office, is that there's always a benefit for having another set of eyes. But sometimes physicians will say, I just would like to have you come in and take a look at it and say, yeah, we're doing well, and I make two or three recommendations, and they may or may not choose to follow them, but yeah, it happens. Okay. It's rare, but it happens. Rare, but it happens because every one of us, including myself, could be more efficient. So what I'm hearing as a take-home is that if I just saw one more patient a day and didn't even do this whole cost analysis, it would be of benefit to the practice because it would probably end up paying for someone's salary. Yeah, I think, but there you go, there again, if you understand your costs and look at the efficiency models that you'd be talking about, clearly you could benefit dramatically. In fact, if you saw one more patient four days a week, 48 weeks out of the year, you could walk home with about sixteen dollars to $17,000. This is an incredible number, and I don't know if many of us think like that. But on one hand, it's kind of good we don't think like that because I still kind of like just being a doctor some days and not having to always think about the business behind it, although we have to. As I said, you're the one that's taking the risk. Right. This is your business, but by the same token, you need the support structure in order to make that business work. And I'd rather have you, when you're busy doing your six to eight to ten hours a day of work, being productive in terms of what you're doing and what your expertise is, which is being a physician. Let somebody else be the expert at helping you run your practice better. But recognize the need for that. So get a good administrator in your practice who can help you out. My guest was Owen Dahl, president of Owen Dahl Consulting, and he was here to tell us about the real cost of seeing a patient. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit or check out our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And thank you for listening. <laughs>